That Record Got Me High is proud to be sponsored by Is This Tomorrow. That's Is This Tomorrow, available at isthistomorrow.com. Is This Tomorrow is a weekly web comic cataloging the absurdities taking place at the Zorro News Channel. Characters such as George Kleenex, weatherman Benjamin Dover, man on the scene J.B. Horns, political commentator Taffy Tart, radio personality Travis Slaughter, conspiracy theory expert J. Elwood Compton III, paranormalist Murph Davies, Senator Stroller, political apologist Dr. Iggy, Christian ventriloquist Fred Gastro, and his puppet Woody, and the strangely familiar stocky bear in his smelly, itchy costume will entertain the ever-living shit out of you so that you are doubled up with laughter, collapsed beneath your desk, paralyzed, unable to move. You will be slain comically, but you'll recover. That's Is This Tomorrow at isthistomorrow.com. TikTok go the death watch Beatles and old President Swill. Pop pop goes the tweet on Magnum at the reading of the will. This is Gulls, the same skin, wallet stuffed with cruisy yellow bills. Here we come, the jet set jumps on. All right, Here welcome we everyone to another episode of That Record Got Me High. That's Barry Stock. That's Rob Elba. And we are a music podcast where we talk about records and uh, and we just go on and on about them and we have a good time. And we have, uh, last week we had a celebrity guest. Uh, Mr. Oh. Cheetah Chrome, and yeah. this week we have another celebrity That's guest. Right. <laughs> equally, equally and renowned. Is, and our first three-time uh, uh, podcast guest. Uh, yeah, yeah, guest on that record got me high, oh. Mr. St- and we're going to say his name correctly. I'm going to give you time. a shot at it. Go for Mr. it, Mr. Steve Michener. Is that hey. all right, Michener? <laughs> Steve Michener. Uh, he did. We did with uh, Steve. The first episode we did was. Uh, Modern Lovers. Yeah, that's right. right. And then we did the great Big Dipper uh, uh, Slam, Slam, where we had all, all members of Big Dipper, which of which uh, Steve was a member of Big Dipper. And uh, and now we got you again. And what's the band? What's the band we're talking about, Steve? Tonight we're going to talk about the Monochrome Set. The Monochrome Set, and it took me all week. And looking at the title of the album that we're doing, the album we're going to do is called. Oh, it's called. Uh, Volume, contrast, and brilliance. So it took me all week to combine those two things to realize that the name of the band refers to a black and white TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, no, I didn't I know got that. that right away. No, I didn't get that at all. <laughs> and yeah. that volume, contrast, brilliance refers to the controls on a black and white TV. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, well, because at first I thought, well, that's kind of uh, that's kind of ballsy of a band to put brilliance as one of their things. <laughs> but then I realized, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah. So originally, I, I, yeah, go. Uh, an uh, I thought it was something on an amplifier, like a guitar amplifier. But, yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's a TV set. It's a they're TV always, set. They're so, all tied in. 
So, Steve, you have some kind of weird uh, connection to this band. I mean, honestly, the first uh, this band came across uh, my horizon by you. Uh, I don't. How long have you been doing Monochrome Set uh, uh, Friday on Facebook? Uh, I started that about two years ago, or almost two years. Wow. Yeah. So when we first, uh, way back when we first did the first episode with you and I became Facebook friends with you, I noticed every Friday you would do a thing, Monochrome, uh, Monochrome Set Friday. That's right. And you'd, and you'd post a, a song by this band, Monochrome Set. And at first I was confused. I didn't know if it was a band you were in before or, or if it was maybe your son's band you were promoting. I, I was yeah, all those confused. things have been done. Yes. Those are all known, known not strategies. By, right. Not by Steve, though. Um, but so how did so how did this band uh, how did this band come across your radar and when did you become a fan of these guys? Well, it's a long story, Rob. Uh, Go for I, it. I had a feeling we got, it was. A, we got a whole hour. <laughs> it's always a long story with me. I had a feeling. But first, I got to say, you know, I, as far as being the, the I'm honored to be a, the a, the first three time uh, guest. That makes me the uh, Alec Baldwin or the Steve Martin of. Uh, that's true. That's true. That's right. <laughs> And I'm not only a third-time guest, and this is completely unrelated, but I want to uh, just, uh, for purposes of encouraging other people, I am a Patreon. Uh, that's thank you. You are. You are. We I really appreciate that. I, I encourage everyone to sign up and uh, support these guys because their wives just need them out of the house. Right. As much as possible. <laughs> yeah. Steve, Steve gets it. He I feel does. like Steve gets us. Yeah. So that's <laughs> patreon.com forward slash T-R-G-M-H. You can sign up for as little as... A dollar, a dollar, a dollar a month, a dollar a month, and you could be you could be cool like Steve. I mean, you won't. Steve played in some pretty yeah, cool bands, true. so you may be yeah. not as cool as Steve, but you'd right. be cool as some of the some of our other less patrons. cool guests. Yeah, some of our less cool, less cool <laughs> Patreon uh, uh, supporters. All right, so these I had no idea yeah. these guys. Well, first of all, I have to follow Steve Bait, uh, Cheetah Chrome rather. Yeah, right. Yeah, if you follow Steve <laughs> Baiters, that would be a real that'd be, that a, would be a miracle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But following Cheetah Chrome is not uh, not an easy task, so I'm going to try and. Uh, Live up to that. Okay. Well, I'm, you know, like like we said before, you know, uh, good luck with that. But yeah, well, uh, let's, so, let's yeah. soldier on. Let's talk about how you wrote Sonic Reducer, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> although you are the subject of a famous Volcano Sun song. At least one. At least, At least one. one. That he knows. One, that. one, the lead off song on the first Volcano Sun's album refers to your proclivity yeah. for doing what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. To be honest, I. You know, how many bands are you? Have you guys been in? A few, not not a huge amount. Right, right. But uh, but how many yeah, are a you handful. in? Like, Barry, how many are you in right now? Just one. And yeah, oh, me, okay. and me too. Kind of right. just one. Nah. All right. That's fine. Anyway, uh, that song was written about me uh, because I was in another band at the same time, and I was seen as uh, being. Without giving away the title of the song, a jack of all trades. Right. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, so it was a diss. Yeah. It was kind of a diss. Oh, I definitely uh, take it as a. Uh, it does. It does not come across as complimentary. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great song. But still, it's still yeah. yeah. So it is oh, a compliment. Yeah. I mean, no matter what, all, backhanded compliment, still a compliment. Yeah. I'll still accept it. Of all the songs that were written about me, I think it's the best. <laughs> <laughs> what, are there other ones we should know about? Probably ex-girlfriends have written. Uh, probably ex, just, uh, yeah, ex- <laughs> that one called "Fuck You, Steve." That one. Heard. <laughs> no, the uh, the uh, there's also a song about the bass player who followed me, uh, Jeff Wygand, uh, in Volcano Sons. When he left the band, Peter also wrote a kiss off song to him. So, it's what's that one called? 
Uh, that one's called Brother Superior. Oh, brother. Okay. All right. Uh, boy, Peter. Uh, <laughs> I believe there's. A hey, what did we? Yeah, what, what I, we got we got off track, didn't we? <laughs> Peter wasn't pulling punches, huh? All right. So this band, I had no idea this band formed in London in 1978. So I, right. I, I just can't believe they were around that long. So, but when did you, when did you first hear about these guys? Well, it's a question that's been very much on my mind. You know, when you try and piece together like when you first heard about a band, right? started listening to them. It's kind of hard, but my guess is, uh, based on the history that I've been able to put together in my brain, it was sometime um, after that, probably in the early 80s, okay. uh, when the singles started coming across. Um, it would be a great college radio in Boston, obviously. And yes, yes. So I'm sure that I heard some of the early singles on there, the monochrome set, the, the, their song called The Monochrome Set. Okay. One of their early singles, and <clears throat> that was definitely a song I remember. Um, and then when I started playing music with Gary Wallach, who and I, I was in a band with him, and then we joined Volcano Sons together, and then we went on playing Big Dipper. Gary was also a huge fan of the band, and so we were kind of oh, okay, fans okay. together. And we would share um, songs, uh, you know, share singles back and forth, and right. Uh, act- there's a, a Big Dipper song that was written that is a tribute to the monochrome set. Really? One of our early Which song songs. is that? Which one? Uh, it's an instrumental song, or it was an instrumental. It's been redone. Uh, I think they redid it on their newer album, but we did a, a song called Guitar Named Desire. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Which was, it was kind of like a extra track on um, uh, Boo Boo or Heavens, or it was on the CD or something. I don't know where it ended up. It's on yeah. Super Cooper, I think. But uh, that was written as kind of a, because <clears throat> we loved uh, their proclivity for instrumentals. Yeah, right. We were very into, uh, when we first, actually, when we first started Big Dipper, we were going to be an instrumental band, um, but that didn't last long. Really? Yeah. But, yeah, uh, that's, a hard, uh, that's a hard sell, because how many of yeah. them, you know. Um, it, is, it is, and I'm glad you, yeah, you guys uh, became a great uh, band with actual uh great singers and great right. uh, songs and great songwriting which this band I would say is although I'll admit I wasn't I, I told Barry this is you know I'd never heard them before really and I dove into this listened to it all week and at first listen I didn't really like them I didn't get it and as it is with a lot of stuff that I end up liking a lot which I'm sure happens to you happens to a lot of people does, you listen yeah. to it like two or three times and then starts to grow on click, you click yeah, with you, yeah. clicks with you yeah. and grows and then sometimes yeah. you end up really liking things right well I sent Rob um, a, a word definition like uh, that I had said and I it was the word was arch they're very arch <laughs> yeah that's true and it's definitely a band that grows on you and it's also a band that well to go back to what you're saying it's it's really um, either you get them or you don't, right? Because it's it's definitely a an acquired taste. And oh yeah, yeah, it is. And and they because they were on Rough, Rough Trade. Trade, right? And and I liked a lot of bands from Rough Trade. I remember Rough Trade, but just for some reason, maybe maybe I did hear them because I because uh, I lived in the '80s. I lived up in Boston, and I listened to the same college stations. I'm sure you That's did. Right. That's right. But maybe they just, yeah, didn't grab. I heard it, and it just didn't grab. Because they're very, first of all, they're they're British. They're very super British. <laughs> I think they're like, you know, except for like the Kinks, I think they're the most British band. Right. I, yeah. Yes, and I would definitely, yeah, I would definitely put them in that category. And they're definitely a band that I sort of, um, 
that I sort of uh, liken them to. But there was another band, and now, Barry, I'm going to hit you with this. Okay. And Steve, that I was listening to them. Uh, when I got to the third song in here, I said, oh, my God, these guys remind me of a slightly cheerier, less menacing Stranglers. Oh, hmm. yeah. I, yeah. There's some stuff in here. I hear, yeah, I hear some Stranglers in there. And especially, and, and his, his voice, his delivery sometimes yeah. sounds like well, Cornwell. And, and the uh, subject matter and the way they're very a little bit, yeah. eclectic and there's a lot of m- musical things going on. There, there is, yeah. Yes, without yes. the under, without this, this, the like living in a sewer, like down in the right. sewer element. Now, of Steve, the, what do you think of the Stranglers? Are you, are you a fan of the Stranglers or were you ever? No. I think you need to do like a, a you know, Stranglers Friday thing and get me hip to them because I just know a couple songs and oh really? One, I mean, this is the thing. It's like I and the the bands that I love um, or would listen to a lot. It's it's very so random. It's just it really depends. Like if right, you have a right. next, uh, first impression of a band, then you could dismiss them completely and be you know. And I admit that I'm a complete idiot for dismissing a lot of bands. Yeah, You've been great. very dismissive of, of records we've done on our show uh, on our show before, <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah, that's I will true. admit, you yeah, know, the Weezer record, as I recall, was a you've said a sore spot. You've said some hurtful things, yeah, about that record. Well, not hurtful, done. but you know, <laughs> to me personally, they yeah. but that's all right. Yeah. I forgive you. Yes, well, everyone needs a hobby, and being dismissive <laughs> and <laughs> well, we will. You're doing a great job. We will. Um, we're, we're, I know that we're going to do a Stranglers episode in the future, and I do have someone in mind for that. Yes. Who was uh, around there at the time? So, um, but so this. All right. So now you were. All right. So this this record is kind of perfect for you because you, that's when you became a fan of them, uh, listening to their early singles. And this album right. is actually a retrospective of their early Rough Trade singles. And then there's some uh, 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 radio sessions on here. Right. BBC right. some peel sessions, sessions right? right? Yeah, which is really yeah, cool. It's a weird, it's a weird mix. Uh, um, you know, the, one of the things that I would say about uh, Monochrome Set is that they're kind of contrary. They, they've always kind of uh, zigged when they, people wanted them to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, there's, and that comes up. There's, there's some commentary on the record of or a, 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 someone asking maybe Peel or, or his, the female announcer asking them about, you know, do you think it's, it's going to sell better than the last one or something? Right, right. Yeah, but, yeah. No, probably not or some. There's the answers very, like, you know. It's great that they yeah. include, yeah, a lot of the, uh, when they were, did the radio things, they included the, uh, the company. Yeah, the time. And I like what it's like that, uh, uh, like the Who album that you guys did. Uh, who yes, fell out? Yeah, out. right. But, yep. but this, right. but the but things it, on this are real. Real. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, the so what they could have done, and what would have made the most sense probably, is to do kind of a Buzzcocks thing where they would put together a uh, album of just their singles, which yeah. would right. have been right. incredible, an incredible album um, that would have had. Um, he's Frank, Alphaville, and Symphony. Yes. Her Leaps In, Monochrome Set, Strange Boutique, like uh, even stuff that didn't even appear on, on any other album, like Buzzcock stuff. Right. Uh, it's a good record, but instead they wanted to throw in the. And I can't tell if it was the band or the record label that put all this together. Okay. Well, but yeah, it's interesting. Some of it's the single, some of it's. Uh, like you said, radio stuff, and some of its demos that they right. did for 
different labels. But it actually all comes together. I didn't re- even realize that the first time I listened through it. It, it sort of comes together as a. I, I thought at first it was more like a who sell out thing. Like they were adding that those things like those weren't real things. I yeah. didn't realize that at no, first that they I, were. I, I believe that's podcast. the. But it actually becomes yeah. Like I said, by by my third time through it, I was really enjoying yeah. the whole thing more, and and it almost felt like a like a record, you know. Right. Like a well, I actually record. didn't. I didn't, I didn't hear, didn't pay any attention to the monochrome set until relatively recently, maybe a couple of years ago, maybe a, not, <laughs> not even that. I don't know why. Because like it's Steve's Rob said, goddamn monochrome no, set Friday, every no, Friday. It, it wasn't that. It was, um, I was through, you know, I was, did a, I was doing some DJ sets and I wanted to throw in stuff that was from that era. And I was digging around in my mind for names and then using, you know, Spotify's like cross-referencing that if you like this, yeah, you know. Yeah. And so, um, the monochrome set. And then I heard um, He's Frank, Slight Return. And I was like, oh my God, this is one of the, this is, that's one of the best guitar riffs I've ever heard. It's like one of the catchiest riffs. And so, then I started to pay attention to them. Right. And then, yeah, and, and listening to this, I could definitely see why you you guys, uh, Big Dipper especially, were fans of them because the a guitar interplay in here and everything very uh, reminded me a lot about what I loved about Big Dipper. Yeah, like, for know, sure. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah Lester, Lester Square, the guitarist, uh, the lead guitarist, the main guy for most of the early stuff is um, – Definitely one of the favorite guitarists of Bill and, and Gary and myself. Right. So that's Lester. His, that was his stage name, Lester Square. His actual name was Thomas uh, Hardy. And he right. was Brilliant. Canadian. <laughs> Ironically, he was a Canadian yeah. okay. <laughs> in this very British Now, band. was he part of the tour they just did? Did he come back? Was he still out of it? No, he's out of it. Uh, he is going to do... So he did the... Uh, when I saw them... Well, when I saw them for the first time was in london last february or a year ago february and they did the first two albums they did on those classic nights where they did the first night they did the um strange boutique their first album and the second night they did love zombies oh wow right. now did, uh, did you with lester uh, did you travel uh, to london specifically for that Yes, I did. Sir. You are so you're a super. Now we haven't even we haven't even brought this up. Sort of brought the you yeah. know the yeah. He's a Steve's the, a super fan. The white elephant in the room was that recently also a Volcano <laughs> Sun song. Do you know that? That's why. That's why. Yeah, 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 yeah. up, bump. Um, you recently <laughs> took these guys. You were like their tour a tour driver, basically, right? And they yeah, went on the West they Coast, did a little yeah. West Coast tour, and you drove them, right? Yes. So, so you. No, go ahead, go ahead. So, well, I'll just give you the timeline. So I was a huge fan of the band in the early 80s, big fan. And then um, and then I kind of lost track of the band because they, um, after Eligible Bachelors in 83, I was a total Anglophile, like, up to then. <clears throat> I was, uh, like, any band that came out of England, I would give them a listen. Right. And But in around 83... I started to get more into the American music scene, like mm-hmm. American underground music scene. Yeah. And around that time, that's when the <clears throat> Monochrome set put out their record last weekend, which, you know, I listened to it and uh, Lester had left <clears throat> and uh, the record sounded a little commercial to me. So I was like, okay. Yep. Moving on to new. Yeah, sure. So, right. so the record was almost like their slam. Yeah. Thank you, Rob. <laughs> How's that? When's that? I'm keep. I'm waiting for those that slam demo, the slam demo stuff. When's that gonna happen? 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Or you call, I'll give you Gary Wallach's number. He's 508. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no, so go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, so I kind of moved on from the band right. and uh, kind of lost track of them. And and then when Facebook, you know, when I, uh, Facebook it made it so that you could, you know, catch up with your old bands, uh, the bands that you loved, and everyone seemed to have a page. Yeah. And so I started following their page. And, um, then, uh, guess, then I guess I started doing the monochrome set Friday things a couple of years ago. And I really, you know, it's like, I came across as this person who was like, Oh, I know everything about the monochrome set here. I'm going to educate you. <laughs> when to be honest, it's like, I just knew like their first couple albums. And right, I was, right. Okay. Right. Yes. But I've always been very evangelical about pop music and especially bands like the monochrome set who not a lot of people had heard of. Right. Right. And even back then, they weren't the most widely known band. And um, I tend to embrace bands like that, you know, who are lesser known. Yeah. Right. You know, because I'm a... Uh, I, I totally understand that. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. You're going to yeah. marry are both elitists. I mean, I Elite, that elitist is elitist. the word that Rob <laughs> likes to use, yes. <laughs> Dilettantes. <laughs> right. But that's yeah. so, so how do you go from that to basically being their, their like, tour manager, though? <laughs> <laughs> Not that true. I oh, was no. a driver. You were their driver. driver. All right. So I flew to London. Um, I was accompanied by my uh, dear friend Mark Wyatt, who used to play in a great homestead band called The Great Plains. Mm-hmm. Out of all the people that, you know, I posted this on my Facebook page that I was going, and I was like, let's all go. We'll <laughs> rent a jet. Okay. Um, and of course, I got one. Person. Yeah, because everyone's like, "What? Who?" Uh, yeah. <laughs> With Steve? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Pat, yeah hard, exactly. hard pass. <laughs> that, was the, that was the deal breaker. Uh, but Mark and I met up in London, and um, both both huge fans going back, and um, it was you know, it was kind of like a, a you know it was like a pilgrimage to see this band because oh that was the other thing so. In, in 1982, they, they they played it very infrequently in the United States. So going back to when I was a big fan, uh, they came to Boston at the same time that I was on a road trip uh, delivering my sister's car to her. She moved to San. God uh, damn it. To Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I drove the car with my friend Paul out to uh, California, and then. We drove up to uh, sit. Then she said, Oh, I don't want the car. And so we <laughs> no, really? <laughs> yeah. She's like, Keep it. Family, huh? Yeah. 72 Camaro. So she. Uh, Might have been a good call on your sister's part. Yeah, it was, as it turns out. It was a piece of crap. But, yeah. uh, and so we drove up to San Francisco, and, uh, and I was like, Oh, hell, I'll just live here. Mm-hmm. And back when San Francisco was cheap and cute. Yeah. And, so then I saw that, oh, they're playing here. That's great. So I, I was going to miss them in Boston, and um, but I, they were coming to uh, the I-Beam in San Francisco, so I thought, that's great. I'll get to see them then. Um, and then Gary, of course, wrote me a letter. I still I found the letter recently. Gary wrote me a letter gloating about having seen the monochrome set <laughs> in Boston, uh, which was kind of one of our, like I said, one of our favorite bands together. Right. And then, And then, as legend turns out, the monochrome set um, were on their way from that Boston show across country doing a tour. And then somewhere in Detroit, uh, they had hired this guy to drive them and <clears throat> in his van and he, the van broke down and 
So, you know, the police, some of the police came along to find out, you know, what was going on. They checked this guy's driver's license. Turned out he had outstanding warrants. And they arrested him on the spot, confiscated the van. And confiscated so the, van. the van? Confiscated his van. Oh, my God. With the equipment so they, in it. So they were, well, I don't know what happened to the equipment. The equipment, I think they'd had their equipment stolen <laughs> in, in New York. So I don't even know how much equipment was in there. But that, they got that, that never happens. They got their bag out, and bags out, and then they were just kind of on the side of the road and uh, somewhere in the Midwest. Oh and my God. so they managed to like catch a bus back to New York and uh, play enough shows with borrowed gear to afford plane tickets back home. That's like the Bad Brains story. <laughs> yes, that's right. Very similar. Oh wow! So they never. Yeah. So this time, when you took them and you drove them, you made sure that that, that same shit wasn't going to happen. So you drove right. them on the West Coast. Exactly. Yes, because. <clears throat> this was my chance to see them. Yes, uh, and drive. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I met a couple of them in uh, in their manager in London when uh, they played there. Right, right. In I talked to him and uh, hit it off with the keyboard player. <clears throat> and so I was keeping in touch with them through the band's Facebook page. And then when they started the talking about the tour. What's that noise? That's, that's, that's Barry's drink. <laughs> that's my, I'm running out of liquid in my yeah. drink. That means we're going to oh, have good. to take a break very soon. <laughs> <laughs> so let me, let me ask you this, Steve. Now, we know you, and we know you're a really great guy. You're a nice guy. But yeah. I'm putting myself in the band's thing. This guy that's like a super fan flew out to see me, all of a sudden offering to drive my band. Were they a little nervous that you Did were they, just some yeah, kind of insane outstanding stalker? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would have been if somebody. I mean, I've been in bands, and if someone had called me and said, "Do you know, have Bid's number? Uh, Can we call up Bid and, and ask him if, uh, yeah. if he had yeah. any reservations?" It's zero uh, plus zero. Yeah, right. Yeah. Three, four, four. Um, but everything. Uh, but, yeah, of course they would have reservations. I would imagine that. Uh, uh, <laughs> but they're a they're cheap. Right. <laughs> You felt no, and, really, and, and they were from, really on a limited budget. Yeah, so, right, right. Uh, and I from what it seemed like, you were posting, you posted like a tour diary and everything, and it seemed like great. Like the tour went great, everyone had a great time. Yeah. It, it, it looked really awesome, and, and I really, I really applaud you because it looked like one of these once in a lifetime things. That sounds crazy. You say, hey, I'm gonna just this band yeah. that I love, <laughs> I'm gonna drive them. I mean, your wife, I've, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're married, wife, right? That's a key question. Yeah, yeah my wife. And you uh, are still married? <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> All right, Technically awesome. still married. Right, right. So that, yeah, no, but that is awesome. I mean, I applaud you. That's like a once in a lifetime, like crazy. One of these things you just say, I'm going to do it, and you did it. And uh, mm-hmm. and it looks like it came out great. So that was awesome. So we, yeah, should, was, we, we, should, we should take a break because we've been at it for a half, oh over a half an hour. Yeah, Barry really needs another drink. He's I like do. squeezing at the uh, the ice in his drink. So yeah, let's uh, let's take a little break and we'll refill our drinks. Steve, you can get some more chips, and we will uh, come some back. More and we'll cellophane start, things and we'll wrapped in candy, hard candies wrapped in cellophane. Yeah, we'll start going through the record proper of uh, Monochrome Set Volume Contrast. Brilliant. So we'll be back Excellent. in a minute.
Do you ever have one of those days when you just can't think of anything to say and you really don't want to talk to anyone anyway, yet still people approach you and insist on talking to you about things that you have no interest in and you have a sneaking suspicion that they might be listening to your private conversations and your thoughts without your knowledge and a desire to be left alone, utterly, completely alone. The makers of popular webcomic Is This Tomorrow, available at isthistomorrow.com, were also plagued by fears that someone was listening to their private thoughts and conversations without their knowledge or permission. Utterly, completely alone. However, luckily for you, our listeners, the Is This Tomorrow team have come up with a solution to your problem. It's the Is This Tomorrow Antisocial Personality Disorder Starter Pack. Each kit contains a 50-foot roll of tinfoil. Each kit also contains a paintbrush and a half gallon of flat black paint. Every purchase also includes a 300-page Xerox manifesto. There's a blank spot at the top of every page where you can write your name and the title of your manifesto. All of this is available simply by entering your social security number, your date of birth, your credit card information, and your bank routing number at isthistomorrow.com. Participants in this government-sponsored study may be detained at any time and questioned at length about any subject. Available for $9.95 at isthistomorrow.com. That's Is This Tomorrow at isthistomorrow.com. Is This Tomorrow at isthistomorrow.com. All right. Um, so let me, uh, let me know whenever you're ready to start up again. I'm rolling. Uh, none of that, none of that, what we just discussed is for yeah, prime no. time. <laughs> yeah, I'm right. sure that all is. Right. We're back. I'll talk about all the, uh, the drugs that the monochrome set took on their tour. Aspen. We're back. Oh, we're back. <laughs> I imagine there was a lot of like, um, uh, uh, like really healthy food and like yeah. um, right organic food. Just from I could just from looking at them, it seemed like there were a lot of vegan, maybe vegan options were, were required. Yeah, there is a there's a wide range of diets in the band from the crew to the uh, band from omnivore down to strict vegan. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Hey, I had a feeling. It a, yeah, it's uh, but bit is a. Uh, Committed omnivore. Oh, okay. good. Okay. So, Bid. So, we didn't mention Bid, whose real name is. Uh, Let's do you Steve want to say, say his it. name, Steve. <laughs> I, I, Bid. I think is how you pronounce it. What do you? No, um, his <laughs> real name. His parents didn't name him Bid. Uh, oh, his. Ganesh Seshadri. Seshadri. Oh, I said it right. Seshadri, and uh, and then. Uh, Leicester Square we mentioned and then originally so the drummer originally so it's really I by the way it's in going through this there was been so many members uh, of, in and yeah, out of they've got band. one of those charts on Wikipedia with the, with the sliding yeah. the yeah. sliding scale of bass when players, you were the band. Yeah. bass players alone for a little while they had uh, Andy uh, Andy Warren of the um, well he's still in the band yeah. oh is he really Andy Warren Andy Warren is the longest serving uh, oh. and who, was and, uh, who did Andy Warren play with who was he he played with Adam and the Ants, okay. right? Oh, really? Oh, the original, yeah. like the original. Was Marco Peroni yeah. ever a guitar player for for Monochrome Set? I guess not. 
No, it was uh, those two bands were kind of. I think it was after Marco. Who's the first guitar player in Adam and the Ants? Like the I Dirk Wurst. Oh yeah, right. Because they Dirk yeah. Wurst White Sox. Yeah, because that's what we're talking about then. That like the really early. Album. Right, it was that early. Yeah, that punk. Right. So he plays on that album, and then uh, things get crazy in Adam and the Ants, and then he. Uh, jumped into the band with Bid and Lester and the uh, original drummer JD Haney after the original bass player left. But yeah, Andy's been with him pretty much since uh, Strange Boutique. Oh, cool. 1980, and yeah, so he's. Um, and then the the touring band was uh, John Paul Moran, who's a uh, Moran, who's a keyboard player, and he's been with them since 2010, I think. And then the drummer is uh, Mike. Slocum, who uh, has been on and off with them for another ten years or so. So oh, okay. So the keyboard, so the keyboard player, you kind of kept in touch with everything. They're not even in the band right now. Like when you just did the tour, they're they're not, or are they? No, they are. Yeah, they are. Okay, Lester, all right. But yeah, Lester's out. Uh, keyboard players in. So it's a four piece, very tight uh, four piece. Right, right. Great, and it was great seeing Lester. Um, his, uh, you know, obviously his. His uh, contribution to the band is huge, and it's heard all over this album. Uh, but they're also yeah. a super good band, even a uh, 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 super good band without them. Right. All right. So let's get it. Let's get into this uh, record proper. The first song yes, is "Ein Symphonie des des, Gra- de, uh, des Symphony des Grauens," which is the des subtitle des of, of Mumau's Nosferatu. Is it really? It's the subtitle, yeah, Nosferatu, the the adaptation of Bram Stoker's Dracula, and it means a symphony of horror. Uh Uh-huh, okay. Yes, it's not the first uh, film reference on this record or in there. Right, right. And and this is kind of a twisted, like, love sex song, (laughs) right? Yeah, with the the dead. It's like Donald the Dead with sex. Yes, yes. But it's so funny because the the music, when you listen to music, you wouldn't get that right away from the music. No. Yes, you listen to it. And believe me, I listened for many years and had no idea that this was... Uh, oh, really? Because <laughs> the lyrics also, like, that's one thing that, that was it's hard for American fans, I think, sometimes, is the lyrics can be a little... Uh, the the British accents are a little thick. Yeah, right, right, and they also uh, use and they also reference they use phrases and references that are really British. So maybe uh, yeah. not right away you'd get it. Yes. But, uh, right, all right, right, so it starts out. Is, uh, so, the, uh, so you know, there's a lot of love songs where the protagonist, uh, uh, like Alice Cooper, like doesn't he have a song like "I, I Love the Dead"? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. yeah. But this is but this is a protagonist. This is the song where the protagonist is dead. The actual person singing the song is dead. Yes, and he's trying to entice a living uh, yes, woman. Yes, that's to have right. With yeah, yes. the, you know what? I didn't think that, but you're right because he says, "I'm dead and dank and rotten. My arms are wrapped in cotton. My corpse loves you. Let's, let's marry." marry. <laughs> <laughs> that, my that's skull, great. My skull gives head, so let's win. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So the lyrics very clever. Very. Uh, they they definitely paint a picture. Very but arch. Very yeah. arch. Yeah. Oh yeah. Very yeah. arch. That's the thing. When that word when that word came to mind, I had to go and make sure that that uh, definition was what I was thinking of. But I, I, I'll dig it up now um, because it definitely. <laughs> <laughs> describes this band in a very um, succinct way. Yes, yeah, lyric definitely the attitude. They're, they've always been kind of yeah, uh, which probably like, also limits their success because there's an, an an ironic element that often is missing in the the biggest pop hits 
you know, in any sort of irony can be is is usually prevents right. you from rising to. Uh, right. Uh, All right. But well, they were, as they will tell you, they're a very successful band. They just were not widespreadly successful. They're successful. <laughs> right. They're well, successful on their own terms. Well, yes. this second now the second song here, the the Jet Set Junto was a hit. I mean, it, it was it was classified as a hit, so it must have been like a Brit, at least a hit in uh, a Great well, Britain. They, they sold a lot of records in England. And right, right. A lot of this stuff was um, before they start, like on their indie stuff, when they were on like Rough Trade and Din Disc and all that stuff. I mean, they sold a ton of these singles, but that wasn't charted. That wasn't tracked. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. In the late 70s. Right. But, uh, so this I one. To point out a couple now, things about. Yeah, go Symphony. ahead. Um, <clears throat> well, first of all, it's, it's one of the. Uh, the the best uses of the what I believe is the kabasa in, <laughs> Isn't that in a, a punk rock song. Sausage? Is uh, that some that, kind of sausage? No, the kabasa <laughs> I believe is a it's a um it's that percussion instrument. Yes. Like oh the, that's that sound? Yeah, that's the sound of the uh, yeah. Oh okay. That is so great. And you know, early kabasa uh, yeah, People that's like that play. sort of scratchy. It's like a scratchy yes. percussion. The percussive. Right, right, you play it with right. a stick, but it's got a rough side, and you right? Is that my well, right? I think, isn't it the one that? No, I think it's the one that it's got like the beads, and you you rub it. Oh, uh, okay. It's good, I, and I it gives it it gives it a very worldly. A lot of their things sound very worldly, like some of them are a little do. Middle Eastern and little yeah yeah right. yeah yeah. Latin, definitely a lot of jazz. Well, right. I, that, that's what leads me to the next song, which is Jet Set Junta. Isn't it? Don't we say Junta? Because it's a. Yes. Yeah. It, yeah, so he says it in the. The British have a way of forcefully pronouncing things in a different way than everyone else does. Yeah, so they the, say, go ahead. I always love the way they say Clarence instead of Claret. Yes, exactly. <laughs> to annoy the French. Anytime they can annoy the French, they definitely will well, do that. That's, a, that's something to live by. I would do that, too. All right. Uh, this one is very British sounding and very 60s British sounding yes. to me. And uh, all right. So, but think about the words here now. All right. Uh, TikTok. Go to Death Watch, Beatles, and El Presidente's Will. Will. Pop Pop goes to Clicot Magnum, which is a, you know what that is? Clicot Magnum. It's it's a champagne. champagne. Very expensive champagne. It's not that expensive. At the reading of the Will Walt, than the the shit I would 40 bucks. Uh, Really? No, I I thought it was more than that. (laughs) Nah, it's about 40 bucks. His sis goes to Snakeskin Wallet stuffed with Cruzero Cruzero bills. Here we come, which is a um, Cruzero, that's a Brazilian currency. So when you think, I was thinking about this song. If you put the, if you change the music to like this uh, more aggressive punk music, this could sound like a Clash song. This sounds like something Joe Strummer would write, you know? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's it's definitely a, a, you know, social commentary or political, socio-political commentary. Right, right, because they're singing about the Jet Set uh, Junta, so they're sort of making fun of this, like, um, of South American military, um, political military group. overthrows. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah right. Take it's like, like, to me, it's, to me, it's like the Panama Papers. It, it you know, is. It's like, it's like, and, and uh, it's all about the Panama Papers, you know, but, and it's as timely now as it was back then. I mean, look at, you know, all these, you know. Yep. It is. You know, it what's is. going on in Venezuela right now is, you know, nothing has right. changed. And uh, my yeah. favorite, my favorite verse is uh, uh, includes a rat-a-tat-tat goes the submachine guns to restore this restore, restore the status quo. quo. Yeah, right. Yep. Snip, snip. Uh, go to this tailor scissors on the suit in Saville Row. 
and th- my favorite thing about this song is he sneaks in uh, in the beginning of every line. It's uh, onomatopoeia. Oh, okay. oh right, because he's saying, uh, "I know what you mean." Um, yes, right, vroom, right, vroom. right. Sounds like what it is. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's called onomatopoeia, boys. How did you? Uh, how did you guys learn? I learned about onomatopoeia from. Sesame Street. Did I you guys learn about too, that from yeah. Sesame Street? Yeah. Probably. Yeah, there was like a song. I learned about the monochrome set. <laughs> so you talk about this song being a hit, but here's the thing. So it was very popular. This is like kind of like the point where the monochrome set were ready to break into the mainstream British uh, pop music charts. And um, this is uh, this song was banned by the BBC because they took it in their... In their superior way to be about the Falkland Islands War, which was ongoing at the oh, time. Oh, well, wow. what do you know? <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. It's a diss on Maggie and her um, escapades in the uh, in the Falklands. Right, so they just shut that down. They shut the song down. So, unfortunately, here's another opportunity for the monochrome set to reach a wider audience with a what is a classic pop song and, and uh, the BBC... That's um, a very broad reading by the BBC, I must say, based yes, on well, these. I think they're famous on that. Yeah, famous right? For those <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think they're Because uh, I, I wouldn't have thought of the critical thinking yeah, going on right, there yeah. at the BBC. I just picture them like with these stack of singles like you know, that come in uh, on the mail, and they're like, and. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a stamp, a big black stamp. Right. All right, so the next song, Love Zombies, which I really like this song. And this is the first one that definitely reminded me of like sort of a mid-career Stranglers tune, including the guitar. Barry, you notice they use a lot of uh, phaser. I think it's that phaser again, the heavily phased guitar flange. Lester loves his phaser. Oh, he he does? Okay. Does he still use that MXR, like one of those MXR phasers? I am my. I do not know anything about. I plugged right into my goddamn amp. Oh yeah, you're a bass. I forgot you're a bass I player. Swear. So you are in a real. Uh, you are in a real guitar. No, I'm not player, sure. But, yeah. but when we saw him in, uh, <laughs> when we saw him in London, there was a lot of phasing. There's a right, lot of phasing. right. Yeah, yeah. They're definitely fans of it. You could tell. And uh, and the and the way he sings it is slightly sinister sounding, reminding me a lot of you, Cornwall. Um, but this is uh, so. It's interesting. So tell me, uh, since I'm not as familiar with the Stranglers as you are. So this is the my notes for this song. It starts out like it's going to be an instrumental, and it right, sounds right, big, yeah, yeah, yes, Middle Eastern and jazzy, and um, lots of stuff going on there. Right. And then it, when it breaks into the vocal part, uh, this is this is something that struck me recently. I didn't really realize it when I was first listening to the Monochrome set. But Bid is a crooner in the classic sense. Yes, right, ooh, right. Ooh, won't tell me. Yes, yes, yes. And then and, and you, the, Cornwall, of the Stranglers, very the similar. Thing, yeah, yeah, the same yeah. technique. So, yeah, I'm going to definitely turn you on. Yes, I'm going to definitely turn you on. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. A yes, year from now, similar. I'll be on here doing the Stranglers album. You may, you may, because if you love this band, you, you will definitely love Just uh, listen to uh, the album Black and White. Black and White is the album that if you want a Stranglers right. record to go to and say, okay, where would I start? Start there. Um, and uh, possibly the greatest cover album cover of all. It's my favorite album cover of all time. So good. Wow. Um, so yeah. So it's mostly instrumental, and then but when it comes in with this verse, it's really it's, it's a, like a pretty. Yeah, it's pretty, but the words are are sort of again kind of a little dark. Can someone tell me 
What is it that we're doing under the lights? Can someone tell me why once again we're food, food for, for vampires, vampires tonight. tonight? It's paradise when those zombies' eyes are trained on you. Now, is he talking dry. about playing a live show and the and the audience ah. sucking him is just giving nothing back and they're just staring and you know taking taking the energy? Yeah. Is that what we're talking about? Steve driving them, maybe, or no? That's it. <laughs> what do you think, Steve? Is it about an audience? You've played in front of enough crowds that have just stood there, I'm sure. Um, you know, that's an interesting uh, perspective, one that I never really thought of. Yeah, I could see that. I like that. Yeah, I could see uh, that too, definitely. And, and uh, I love at the end of it, John Peel. I, I'm assuming that's John Peel saying. I think so. Uh, I think it's supposed to sound like that. In case you're thinking there's something vaguely wrong with the machinery here, yeah. <laughs> it's a little warbly. The phaser, yes. It's hilarious that he says. When that. the DJs have to apologize for you, that's a good sign. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, but it's so great. I mean, it's great. It's like, what is he talking about? But yeah, I guess because it's quirky. It's got that little quirky. Yeah, the, um, definitely. Uh, uh, Peel love and all that. You know, right. Yeah, I mean, Peel was a big fan, so uh, definitely. Right. And there's a lot of slicing and dicing of um, of human flesh in this yes. in this record. Yeah. A lot of horror yeah. movie, thinking, but vampire. Do Dracula. you know, Steve? Are, are they horror fans? Like horror be. movie fans? They have to be, right? Oh uh, yeah. Well, I, I think that there's a there's a, a big um, vein of um, of movie stuff that runs through the through their album and through their career. One of their fifth member was a guy named Tony Potts. And he uh, joined up with them early on, and he started projecting films, some of them like classic old films and some of it stuff he had made. And so they would play, and but the films were projected onto them and behind them. So oh, it was like the yeah. Velvet Underground. Uh, Plastic Inevitable. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's so awesome. something like that. But uh, and Tony was a big uh, film buff at the time, film student, and uh, he probably, I mean, they were all probably... Um, going to see these movies, the great old horror stuff, the great uh, new wave stuff coming out of France. Uh, right, because I know there's another. Godard. There's yes, towards the end, Godard comes up, but well, don't cry. Okay. This round also to, speaking of horror, though the the next song now, Silicone Silicon Carney. Carney, another just another killer tune with a vaguely unsettling <laughs> yeah. uh, lyrics. Right? Is it about a? Is it like? Is this like Westworld robot? I'm thinking like a psych. I thought it was about like a psychopathic killer and his victim talking about. Yeah, his but victim. the silicon aspect makes me think of like is it a. Is it a is it a robot or an android oh, that he's killing? What do you I, think? I don't know. I was wondering. What do you think, Steve? What is he saying? Uh, you know, I will be very honest, and the lyrics tend to be the last thing I listen to. And right. Oh yeah, a bass player. I forgot. You're, you're a bass player. I, <laughs> um, I am a simple man. <laughs> a simple, just like four strings. Four strings are more than strings. enough. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know what uh, I was thinking also Barry though silicone carne sounds like a, a, a chili silicone uh, carne, carne of course oh exactly so, first, yeah, so it could and they're very you could tell they're very into wordplay and everything well let me read you this verse don't cry darling it's just anesthesia oh, yeah, I love three that. years at college makes dissection so much easier <laughs> she looked just like an old Mae West when you cut the flesh inside her chest and, and you know Mae West is a uh, is a uh, a life vest. A life vest. Uh, That's in right. England. In England, it's a yeah. it's a life vest. Oh, really? Yes. Oh. 
Which yeah, was is that, to, uh, was it Cockney slang? Is that how that beca- May West Life Fest became May West? Well, I think it's just because you looked like you had big boobs when you ah, were wearing okay. it. Okay, all right. But yeah, Bit is. A, and I've said this on my uh, monochrome set Friday. He's a twisted git. You know, he is <laughs> right. But he's brilliant enough to match these uh, lyrics. Yeah, I mean these beautiful melodies with these twisted lyrics. Right, right, right. And um, yeah, and I, I <clears throat> in meeting him, you know, he's he's a sweetheart of a guy, but there is definitely a dark side to him. And uh, the the thing I could the the person that comes to mind the most uh, as far as like comparing him to someone in the in the movies while we're doing that is Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> oh, really? Very, very you know, articulate, very educated, very right. well spoken man, right. but he's also uh, he's you know very likely to eat you. As well. Menace, little underlying yeah, menace. menace. Yeah. Okay, good. That's yes, awesome. It, That's yeah, great. Yeah. The, the, in this song, uh, but yeah. It's like, and it's a twisted song, and it's like a dark lyric. It really but then is, when it yeah. gets into the, then it turns into a beautiful love song in the middle, where it's, where he says, "All I want, all I see you." Oh, right, 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 right. Oh, and it's a, it's a beautiful melody. Uh, once again, so you have you have your uh, dichotomy there. Yeah, right. Yeah, he definitely. Yes. So, um, moving on to the ruling class, the ruling class, where and I had questions about this one as well because after think? listening to it, I thought, okay, my old man's a viscount, and he wears a viscount's crown. He buys me card and trousers, uh, or of a tasteful shade of brown. And all through this, and then he um, gets to the end, and the last verse is he says. Um, my young fag's an MP son, and he warms my toilet seat. I thrash him with the whip to make his character complete. He was my man, and I've done him wrong. And then the verses, the choruses up higher are, he was my man, and he'd done me wrong. So at first he says, he done me wrong, and then he said, I did him wrong. I was, but my old man, because an old man in, in the United States is your dad. Is your dad, right. But right. I'm, I am beginning to think that the old man in this might have been an older lover who was paying, a sugar daddy who was paying was for things. Right. I was wondering that <laughs> as well, yes. Yeah, and then it switches to he's the sugar daddy, and right. That's right. He's treating them poorly. And did any of you guys notice the the way he's describing, especially the beginning, reminds me of someone from the Kinks, like a well-respected man or something like that. Very reminiscent of that. Yeah, yeah. The Kinks to me, the Kinks is a reference that keeps coming back. Uh, For me, you know, they do have a music hall aspect to some of their music. Right, right, right. uh, Exactly. Bluesy, jazz, pop kind of thing that the Kinks would dabble in. In that phase, right? I, and I, uh, I think you're absolutely right, though, Barry. I, I was we automatically we hear old man. We old man, it's dad. But yeah. No, no. That I don't. I think believe that his old man. My old man's an earl now, and he wears an ermine gown. He sends me an allowance to spend in Eaton Town. He drives a yellow Bentley, and he beats me with his ranch. He hires me private tutors <laughs> to help me in my French. He was my man, and he done me wrong. So, it's such yeah. a classic song. And it's I a great think that, song. This is, it's a classic bit because he's trying to be very offensive on purpose. <laughs> and he kind of did expectations and piss people off and yet entertain them at the same time that's so. exactly what it is that's he's awesome. an arch it's it's arch and that's what there that's you, you know he's being snarky and snide but he's doing it he's staying just this side of of being um offensive just <laughs> right you know, just right 
Well, they're, they're clever. That's a great thing about the British. They're they're clever enough to to sort of hide things, you know. Right. Where, well, he where grew up. Like, he grew up. Right. In, you know, growing up Indian in Britain is different than growing up British in Britain too. So right. he would have a different perspective on it as well. Right. 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 Definitely. Yeah. So he's uh, yeah he's an interesting guy. The uh, the whole band, of course. I mean, that was one of the best things about. Uh, being being able to travel with them is they're all extremely funny. You've got like there's a Welsh guy in the band, uh, there's an Irish guy in the band. Bid and Andy are from London, um, <clears throat> and then you had uh, Dave and Jane who are uh, a, a part of the crew who are also uh, hilarious. And they all had different accents, so it's like. I kinda, <laughs> and then you got Steve driving Steve them around from Boston. <laughs> and they all, they all are, you know. You guys ever been to Harvard? <laughs> <laughs> so, you guys but ever it was see just, the Red Sox? <laughs> yeah, well, we talked about the Sox a lot. I mean, <laughs> of course. Oh, what a shocker, Steve! <laughs> yeah, I had to talk about the Red Sox. But no, I mean they're just they're just very British. They're very right, right, right. Very funny, very dry, and I appreciate that. That's, That's awesome. great. All right, so we get to song number six is Viva Death Row. And oh, I gotta uh, say, this is my least favorite song on the record. Uh, as is usual the case, usually the case when a song is written by the bass player. Right, right, right. Yeah. It's the uh, a kiss of death. It's the, uh, <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's because just like, oh, my, give the bass player a song. One of my favorite Big Dipper songs is one you wrote. So I, I, yeah, right. yeah, so I don't think a, that holds that's in your case. Exception, no, that's, being, that's an exception to the rule. I was being hard, Rob. I was being hard. <laughs> you were. Yeah, but when you're listening to Electric Ladyland and you get to... Um, What's that song you wrote? The um, the bass player. What's that? Uh, <laughs> not Mitch Miller. He's the drummer. No, um, we don't. No Redding. No the No Redding song. Redding. And you go. It's like boop. Skip. You know, just reach up. Like, oh. <laughs> musically, anyway, this song is musically. I think it's cool, and it's sad because it reminds me of. Uh, um, Berlin era a Bowie a little, a little bit yeah right? there's definitely it definitely sounds different it sounds it sounds like the you know the um, Iggy song uh, Nightclubbing yeah right the vocal yeah. reminded yeah. me of that a lot uh huh which is Bowie's yeah. once again we could shout out Iggy Pop if you you know we know that you're come on Iggy you're out easy there. driving distance <laughs> hey speaking of Iggy he did a cover of uh, of one of the songs coming up here did he really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Iggy covered a monochrome set song. Iggy Pop covered a monochrome set song as the vocalist in a band backed by the guys from... Uh, the ly- anyway, he, <laughs> uh, anyway. But this song, the lyrics are almost impossible to find the lyrics of this song. Right, I can't find the lyrics. And they're very stream... I, it sounds to me... I was trying to suss them out, and they're very stream of consciousness, I feel like, in okay. this song especially. Yeah, sure. So, uh, yeah, let's just go. Let's go right Moving into right the, the man with the black mustache. <laughs> yes. Which this originally this one almost had like a novelty song feel to me, you know, but it's but it's not. The lyrics again, they're they they're vaguely. It's menacing. Jack the fucking Ripper, basically. They're vague, yeah, they're it's, vaguely. No, menacing it's a Jack the Ripper character. Oh, okay, Jack the Ripper. You know, that he's a uh, um, secret violence in his heart. Um, right. Yeah. This man is no children's clown. Leads you on to shaky ground. Um, yeah, he's he's a bad guy. Um, and I was th- as most men in black mustaches. Well, there's are. yeah, the, the <laughs> black mustache, right? Of I course, it's the, men in well. It's from, then there's another movie reference because you have these silent films where you know the guy the villain, the, the villain, villain is the one like twirling, twirling his, his, black twirling mustache, his black mustache, of course. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Steve, Steve has a big black mustache, right, Steve? Like Steve's gray from <laughs> stupid nuts at this <laughs> right. point. All gray, all gray mustache. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> but yeah, it's another jazzy outing. Yeah, uh, I was going to say that, but I, I actually like it, even though I, I'm not a fan of jazz. I actually did like well, jazzy the outro and today. jazz. Two different. It's you know, it's got a, it's got that right. lilt to it, but it's it's right. not um, you know, they're not playing E minor, minor ninth chords. And it brings me back to why I love the band uh, originally, because you know, in the middle of the in the early '80s, everything was like very hipster punk rock, and everything was very purist, and you had to be like a certain yeah. You had to have, Sound. Yeah. And here was this band that were writing great songs, but they would, would throw in these like you know, uh, like you know, these strange beats or strange right. instruments or yeah. or or instrumentals in the middle. You know, it didn't that's what I really that's what I really appreciate is that the fact that they seem like a band that didn't give a fuck about what anyone well, the, thought. They the, were the, just going to do right. follow whatever they wanted to do. The whatever they wanted cheek, to throw in, the they tongue would in do. cheek aspect is what was is what was disallowed from um, a lot of punk rock that kind right. of that scene because you had to be you know severe and serious and and so to be a little bit flippant is uh was to be uh, and flippant and not not in a way that was you know sneering was n- not acceptable so i can see where that was a challenge to their uh success that and the bbc just saying you know disallowed right. <laughs> call you know called out at third all right. <laughs> now we're up to the aforementioned He's Frank oh. Slight Return. And this is a really great, this is a catchy, really catchy. And why is it called Slight Return? Yeah, why is this a Slight oh, yeah. Return? I could feel that. Yeah, so the, uh, the fir- their first single was He's Frank. And if you listen to the two versions, um, the, the original single was kind of, a, you know, more of a low key um, indie production kind of thing. Yeah. <clears throat> One, you know, the guitars sounded good, but they sounded not thin, but they sounded, you know, yeah, like an indie band, and um, <clears throat> the production was uh, was a little bit indie, and then they redid it. I think they realized what they had. Yes, uh, <clears throat> in this song, it's a classic. They, this song is a classic. It's. But um, here's the thing about this song. Like, tell me though, what is the chorus? Um, like this is one of the catchiest songs I have. So you've got uh, who'll save him from uh, being a man, not me. But that's it, me. right? One that's line. It, right. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like one line. It's linear. Like, yeah. Okay. Peculiar boy. I like yeah. that though. I like songs like that. Once in a while, you I get mean, uh, guided by voices has that too. Sometimes where they'll have you know you say what's the chorus in that song, but it doesn't matter. It's an awesome song, you know. Right. Exactly. And I okay. think you mentioned the guitar, the uh, Barry, the guitar riff. Uh, oh. And everything about it, though, is is um, if you put this on a club, if you're a DJ and you put this on a club, and even people who haven't heard it, and you turn it up, people are gonna. It's it's extremely catchy. Right. It's extremely right from infectious. the get-go. Yeah, it is. Um, the, everything about the way, it's, all the playing, the melody, everything, and the lyrics are a little bit. Um, you have to decipher the lyrics of what's going on here. Well, what do you think is going on, Barry? Because I, I is it? I'm taking it. I don't know if I'm taking it too literally at face value. It's about wasted uh, potential to me, like a, a a promising young man well, who's doomed to, to turn into a shithole. Uh, to a from shit man. my perspective, who'll save him from being a man, not me, might um, refer to a certain sexual oblivion with members of the same sex. Uh, does that... Um, but also someone who has, yes, who's past their prime. We all know a Frank. Someone who was the golden boy 
who you know snorted just enough yeah. and is now um, yeah, the peculiar boy is black. no more. He he isn't because you know eventually uh, you become not what's what's cute and you know and and Become charming, becomes, annoying, and yeah, yeah, a pariah. <laughs> yes. yes, he's got he's got secular joy. He's a peculiar boy, but now the luster has gone. The peculiar boy is no more. Right. You know, and who's, right. who'll save him yeah. from being a man? Not me. He's got precious youth, but for <laughs> forsaken, forsooth. And now that <laughs> we all, all three of us could, could relate to that, right? Of course. Our, uh, and now our, the our shine, youth has forsooth. And always. now the shine grows dim. Change tradition for whim. Who'll save him from being a man? Not me. He's got clothes right. all red, all on a purple bed, and now the reds in his eyes. He's no longer a prize. It's be- it's a it's a great great song. It is. Yeah, lyrically it is an incredible song, and the guitar line, the guitar hook oh. is incredible. Well, both guitars together because you've got right. um, you've got the, uh, this inner interlocking thing that is just infectious and beautiful. It's great. Now, Steve, let me ask right. you: They have so many. They have such a, like a big catalog of songs now. Uh, did they play a lot of the songs from this on this tour that they did? Like. Uh, yeah, were actually, they playing they, that they song? Did a great mix. I think they uh, they did a really good mix. I mean, they did play "He's Frank," right? Um, Jet Set Junta. Uh, they played Alphaville. They played oh, okay, okay. <laughs> in Symphony. Uh, uh, okay, yeah, I was wondering that because they, they really, I, I just it. couldn't believe how much stuff they have. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's got to be hard for them with um, you know they've got like sixteen or seventeen albums stretching over forty right. years, <laughs> right? And, uh, and they played the new stuff because honestly, the new stuff is great. Uh, their last album, Maisie World, is is an incredible album. I mean, is it? I'm going to check it out. I didn't have time yet, but yeah. I'm going to I'm going to definitely well, check the video, out. Well, the video there's a video stuff. that's fantastic of um of a of from the last fun. record. Yeah, that's just yeah. great. Yeah, I saw. Yeah, it. I think I saw it on Monochrome Said Friday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course you did. I, everyone says that it's like oh, I saw. I was just walking down the street and I overheard somebody say, hey, "I saw that on Monochrome Said." <laughs> <laughs> Sweeping the nation. Yeah, but this uh, is the song that uh, was covered by. Um, Iggy, and I have to say, like I love Iggy Pop. <clears throat> Iggy Pop is incredible. Um, but this band that it, they kind of like brought him on to do this it's called the Brighton Port Authority, which I think is uh, an offshoot of um, uh, another band. And he sings it, and it's so weird seeing Iggy Pop standing up there. There's a live video on uh, on YouTube that you can see, and he's he's singing these lyrics. So he has no idea, you know. Right. Anything about the monochrome set and right yeah. here, it's, here's it's the lyrics. Yeah, here's the lyrics. There, there you go. Right. It's five hundred dollars. Right. Yeah. Take your shirt off and do it. Yeah, right. <laughs> you want some drugs? <laughs> yeah. So it's not uh, not the best moment for uh, Iggy Pop, but definitely yeah. a high point. That's for fair. Him. That's fair. I can. But, I would have a hard time imagining anyone doing this with the same. Perfection well, that it's that well, it's performed. Well, you mentioned that because I came across two versions uh, that I think are, are great. Um, Yola Tango did it on their WFMU marathon. I oh, could okay. Pic- I could picture Yola Tango covering this band because okay. there's a definitely I mean, similarities. Have, I think there's similarities. They both have the velvet. You know, it's a velvet underground. Yeah, uh, right, right. Velvet underground song and at its heart. And also when uh, when Big Dipper was touring back in the nine era. Ah, uh, here he goes. <laughs> We played with uh, a band called The Sneetches, and every this band opened for us for a big chunk of the tour, and every night they would play a version of He's Frank that was oh. great. They were called The Sneetches? Yeah, The Sneetches are a San Francisco band, and it's kind of similar to the monochrome set in that they're like a, 
they were a modern pop band, but they were heavily uh, influenced or heavily informed by the 1960s. Yes. Right, right. Yeah, we, oh, we, okay. we didn't really mention, but that is, a, I mean, the kinks, well, but I also... Well, I said that one song, definitely British 60s. Yeah, British, there's yeah, a Britain. 60s there a sheen over all of this. Um, and, right. And not a, and not a, um, not a sort of fakey sheen. Like, really, a, a definitely a, 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 um, an authentic love of the um, 60s. Yeah, I thought, yeah, Steve, oh, yeah. I thought you were going to say that Big Dipper covered that song. So when you guys when you guys saw this other band doing it, were you and Gary like uh, jealous of this band <laughs> that they were doing that song? Of course, you're like, damn it, why didn't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we probably didn't cover the monochrome set just because to us it was too sacred. Sacred ground, right, exactly. Sacred, yeah. Let's just do Jet by Paul sound. McCartney instead. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> which is awesome, which I love, by the way. I'm not dissing that well, at all. You. All right. Uh, so we're getting to fun for fun for all the family. Oh, and yeah. This is, this is a time-honored <laughs> British, the strictly British trope of poking fun at the ruling class. Because this yes. is something that only British bands have yes. to do, to write songs. But for some reason, class. well, in this, I, I realize it's about the Brits, but I did picture, since there's so many famous paintings of incredibly... Um, inbred Spanish uh, um, uh, monarch figures yeah. or m- royal family members. That's who I have in this picture. Is 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 sort of the uh, oh okay okay the ugly the ugly inbred royals being painted and that's oh, what God, the discussion yeah, the, the lyrics in here are brutal man yeah <laughs> we were we were also very concerned to see the commoners never learn that interbreeding could be blamed for the decline of, of the, the regal, regal brain, brain. <laughs> <laughs> yes it's, well, i got, it's, a, I yeah, got go. a credit what i could do here because i i uh, on one of my monochrome said fridays i uh, featured this song and i gave bid credit for it and he was gracious enough to point out in the uh, thread that he didn't write the lyrics. It was written by their original drummer, uh, John Haney. Oh, really? Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah, and nice. it's but it's such it's such good lyrics. It you know? is. Like, they're, yeah, they're great. Mr. Goya, we all declare, was most unkind and very unfair to paint us in the way he did, as if the royals <laughs> had lost their lids. <laughs> <laughs> and this is another song that has no chorus, right? I mean, it's just yeah, no, it's verse, it's verse, 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 right. right? Yeah, yeah. Right. And the guitar interlude, and then and it goes into some like weird, you know, guitar part. And um, but again, super catchy. I mean, I can sing the song. You know, the first right. time you hear it, you can oh sing, yeah, yeah, sing the song. And speaking of super catchy, now we get an instrumental, and it's an awesome instrumental. Lester Lester leaps in, of course. And do you know where that, they got the title for the song? Well. Lester, the, the, the yeah, right. Lester. No, Lester leaps in is a famous song um, uh, where Lester Young is the saxophone player, a famous jazz oh, really? saxophone player. Oh, okay. Yeah, I would not know that. And uh, Lester leaps in is he he you know he jumps in and plays a solo uh, at the during the middle of the you know this point in the song. Um, did you know that, Steve? You know, I knew the reference. Um, <clears throat> it was. Uh, I'm trying to think of who the artist was. Was it Monk Song or was it? No, no, no. It's way before that. It's a. He was. He played with uh, um, Count Basie, so it's a Count oh, Basie no, song. So it's a. Uh, um, yeah, it's way before all of our time. <laughs> Not before Barry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um. Yeah, I got the jazz thing, but it, yeah, it, and it's. Uh, I mean, this was a B-side to a, uh, one of their early singles. Oh. Okay. Um, and one of the things, like I said earlier, that endeared us to the uh, to the band was that they were able to create a instrumental that was interesting from beginning to end. Right. Oh, I always love that. I love that when bands I like do uh, instrumentals and they're really good and they don't. Yeah. 
you don't miss, you know, the lyrics in it. You right. Know, yeah. just a good, right. Uh, well, we haven't done an instrumental record because it's tough to talk about an instrumental yeah, record. Yeah, that would be hard. That would be right. Hard. Yeah. I yeah. want to do, you know, the first Ray Beats album, and and it's just difficult because what are you going to say? Right. Uh, yeah. That All part right. was. That part was. Play the song and say, "Wasn't that great?" <laughs> But this right. song has a lot of surf elements in it, lounge elements. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And you know what? I don't know if you guys are familiar with the band Pell-Mell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Pell-Mell were an instrumental band that uh, came out in the Northwest and uh, also one of Gary and I's favorite bands. Uh, their EP, Rhyming Guitars, is an incredible four-song. There's four or five songs, just an incredible Completely unavailable and easy to listen to, and it's total on YouTube, I'm sure. Like, exactly. You know, right. yeah. CDs will be uh, approximately three hundred dollars on eBay. But the <laughs> yeah, Pellmell were great. I definitely heard Pellmell first uh, living up in Boston on one of those. You know, listening to college radio in Boston. I definitely that's the first time I yes. heard Pell-Mell. Yes, that's where I heard them too. Yeah, and they, you know, it's kind of like punk rock, but it's but it's got a sixties vibe to it as well. Right, right. Um, and yeah, this was a highlight when they they played this as the last encore of the second night of the uh, Love Zombies after the Love Zombies show. Oh, nice, and nice. <laughs> And it's it was just so nice to uh, just you weren't like you weren't like going crazy and like screaming like a like a little girl <laughs> at the show were you Steve because I was no I was a little I was too drunk to scream at that good okay. yeah, right. that's the good. The, by the end of the second night <laughs> I wonder if one point they were going wait uh, that bloke that flew over and saw us he's the one that's driving yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> How far do we have but to drive after Everything worked. It all worked out, though, right? It all worked it out all smashing. Um, all right. So now we get, speaking of lyrics, we get lyrics. Unfortunately, we get lyrics back in because we have a problematic. We, we get a lot of things okay, lately with I'm lyrics gonna, are problematic. I'm going to out with it. This is about Brooke Shields, right? Ici les enfants. I oh. never knew this until I started listening to it. Oh, pretty. Oh, I didn't even think it's that. Brooke pretty Shields, baby. He's forgiven yes. because everybody saw that movie. Everybody... You know that was the yeah, that was the point. Write, of, you didn't have to write a song about it. <laughs> He's being snarky, though. He is. No, he is. I'm just saying now. In 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 framing it now, it's the oh, yeah, well, they, problematic. It would have been. Oh, now okay. And I'm glad we get to mention Brooke Shields because for those of us, those of you who listened to our episode last week with Cheetah Chrome from the Dead the Dead Boys, if you want an entertaining 20 or 30 minutes. Go on YouTube and search for Stiv Bader's Brooke Shields. And there oh. is a like a 25, 30 minute clip of Stiv Bader's and Brooke Shields together really? being interviewed. And Brooke is like 12 years old. Ooh. And Stiv is, <laughs> Stiv is totally respectful. And it's oh, okay. Brooke is totally honest about what's going on in her life. And Whose Stiv idea is, was it to put them together? Is it from the short-lived Stiv Bader's talk show? <laughs> no, it's it's just... I feel like it, I want to stop the podcast and go watch that right it's, now. Um, <laughs> you know what? Let me do. Let me, let me find it so I can give you some more context. No, it's all right. You don't have to. <laughs> Everyone's going to be looking that up now. That's all. I didn't it, know that existed. It, How would you me know? Me either, because I, what were you okay, googling? I was what were you okay, googling? Okay, so here's what I was googling. <laughs> I was on YouTube and I was right. just searching Stiv Baders. And first of all, if you search, I found some live Dead Boys footage I've never seen before, and I was like. I don't know if Cheetah even knows this is out there. It's one of those things. So they were so punk rock. This man. stuff that was put up recently, <laughs> and I'm like, damn. And then I was like, oh my god, Stiv Bader's Brook Shields. And you think it's going to be a train wreck? It's not. Stiv is totally. Stiv was a really, Stiv was a really nice guy. You uh, could tell he was a good guy. He was. Yeah. A, he was a nice, good guy. And. Uh, 
All right, so let's get oh, pretty baby, you've been driving me wild with the face with the face of a woman and the body of a child. That's disturbing. I saw your first take and all the outcuts. You've been driving my middle-aged blood pressure up. Yes. Yeah, that's. <laughs> Originally, I thought this song was about. Um, when I first heard it, I thought it was about the, the UCLA Elfone do parody that Killer Paradise, uh, which was. You cut it. You're cutting. You cut out a little no, bit. No, but the uh, Children of Paradise. Wh- uh, what is that a reference to, Steve? Though, what did you think it was? Well, there's a, a French movie called uh, Les Enfants du Paradis. You sound okay. so, Children of Paradise. You sound so by, uh, uh, pretentious when you say that. By yeah, the way. but you, you, you did real good. You, <laughs> you did, did real good, Steve. You sound so pretentious. Uh, I've been to Paris once. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but the, yeah, it's a movie. Uh, I had to look up who the director was, Marcel Carnet. Okay. Uh, and um, so that, I thought that was the reference. But then <clears throat> when I started delving into the lyrics online about this, I was like, "Holy shit!" He's like, he's like picking apart Louis Malle. Yes. Yes. That's it. That's exactly that's right. That's great. No, I didn't get that. First, I, I thought it was like that. a pedophile. You know, if pedophile. I had not seen the Stiv Bader's Brooke Shields thing, you wouldn't have I got never would have oh, fucking okay. thought of Brooke yeah, Shields. Yeah, because he I says, swear. Louis, Louis, you really got it sus. Yes. Tell her it's art and keep the money in trust. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, this is exactly what the song <laughs> it, is about. Yeah. That actually right. makes it, you're right though, that makes it better, a little so less creepy. It was a Hollywood film that was released to theaters, you know? All right. All right, I'll give you that then. Then what do we say about the next song, Fat Fun? <laughs> Which John Peel, John Peel actually do we re- just skip believes it? that they're making fun of him yeah, at the end, you know. Sport of me. Oh, yes. Was John Peel a larger man? He was, yeah. I believe oh, he, he was. was. Okay. Or he was a built, you know, in a in a well, sturdy I, fashion. Well, I have a little backstory in the song, but not much. Um, Let's I, hear it. <laughs> Um, so this song is shared. This was a song that was written. There was a time when Bid and uh, Stuart Goddard were in a band before Adam and the Ants. They were in a band called the B-Sides. Okay. And apparently this is a shared musical song they wrote together. Uh, when they parted ways, Bid took the song and wrote Fat Fun. And then uh, Stuart took the song and wrote Fat Fun. So I guess they have the title, but the lyrics are different. The melody's a little bit different. The music's the same. So you can go online and listen to both of their versions. Um, but the ultimately, they're both like a minute and a half of forgettable punk rock song. Oh, okay. The lyrics in this but, are just insane. The yeah. lyrics are But, it, you know, it makes for a fun... It's a very popular... Um, <laughs> it's, lived on, it's, it's lived on in their set because it's so stupid, I think. Right, right. And so they still, like when we were in uh, London, and they played, so they actually opened for themselves as the, the new band opened for the, <laughs> the classic band before they did the album. Oh, that's nice, nice. And uh, so, of course, like the joke in the audience is always like to yell out Fat Fun and uh, try, you know, to try and get the band to play Fat Fun. I, don't um, even, I feel like I don't even want to read the lyrics. I will do it because okay, I'm sorry. fat. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much joy in feeling a nice fat boy. <laughs> His softness torments my soul. We'll have a frolic. I'll kiss his hairy bollock. His obesity, obesity makes me bold. He kisses my left hand. He kisses my right. Fat fun! So, um, I'm not into rubber. Just a big hunk of blubber will bring my heaven's door. Will bring me heaven's door. He's my carnal majesty. Yes, cholesterol's a luxury. His obesity makes me sore. He kisses my left hand. He kisses my right fat fun there's just so much fun 
So yeah, I get well, to I read that. Like, uh, we'll give Bid credit for being disgusting, but Adam, uh, Stuart Goddard, when in their version, it's even more disgusting. Is it oh, really? Okay. I don't even want. I don't think I even want to hear you that. You don't even need it. to go there. <laughs> I don't, don't want to. Let's move. That it's awesome though. It is. It's clever. It's awesome. Well, there's it's a there's <laughs> a there's the Buzzcock song. Uh, well, they're shot by both sides, and the Buzzcock song, which has the same lyrics, where right. Devoto, oh, yeah, that's right. Devoto that's and right. Shelley. Yeah. Um, both took the music and the made music, different songs yeah, out of it. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we get to a, a really great... The magazine song's better, just so we're clear. It is. Yeah, we established that in the Buzzcock. <laughs> we episode. did. Uh, excellent song, Alphaville. This uh, is a really Alphaville. cool song. I like this song a lot. Yeah. Um, and, what it's, and it's a film film reference. Too. And again, yeah, she's, yes, she slits her senseless skin in time to Fred Astaire. I know you're always there. So what is this? What is this reference? Well, Alphaville is a is a French New Wave cinema um, film by Jean Luc Godard, and it's it's a great film. It's fun to watch. It doesn't. It's not necessarily linear, but it's a sci-fi futuristic dystopian thing. It's shot in black and white. Oh, um, okay. And um, because the thing they're talking about, all right, don't look now. She's so debonair. She's a manic depressive. She's a millionaire, and her bills are excessive. You, you know what this song reminded me of? And I could be totally off base, but it reminded me of the woman in the song of Velvet Underground's New Age. You know that oh, song? Yeah, sure. Can I have your autograph? He said to the fat blonde actress, you know, I've Can seen every movie you've been your in. Autograph. This reminds me. Uh, yeah, sure. Thematically, not musically at all, but thematically, it reminds me of that. New Age, Don't which look I love. Now, I love that. Your song. mind's deteriorating. Don't look now, and if it's irritating, I know how to set it right again. So, wh- how does this? Do you think this really the links to the film Alpha Bill, Steve, or is it just? No, no. I think they use the song title, uh, the uh, movie titles, as a point of reference, and. Uh, just or just took just, off from there and just yeah. went. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. you're right. I think there's a lot of. Uh, da, da, I love uh, the, you know what? One band I didn't mention, which they reminded me of, but just lyrically, uh, Devo, because Devo would have absurdists, yes. especially early yes. Devo. Yeah. They'd have sort of these absurd lyrics. I, I did think the same thing, and I wondered whether one, whether uh, Bid and those guys w- uh, were aware of Devo. Oh, I'm sure they listen to everything. I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I thought that the same thing. That just sort of absurdist. Uh, you know, anything goes. Um, which is great. Which I really like. And it's very. Uh, it's very. Uh, it makes it all very interesting. You know, to listen to. Well, this is this is definitely one of my favorite songs. Just the music musically. Uh, <clears throat> the uh, you know the, the jerky guitar part and mm-hmm. uh, the way it's written has always been the most musically interesting monochrome set song to me. Um, yeah, I look at this list now. I, I have to say, I got to give credit to uh, the, the last lines of this song, which is She's a movie star. She's a little bit touched. She's so wunderbar, all gears and no clutch. <laughs> I know, that's great. That was a great lyrics right there. Yes, and so when, I, when you hear She's a little bit touched, you, um, you know, you definitely <clears throat> you get the imp- that sort of brings everything into focus right there, you know. Exactly. And here's, you know, this is like I said, I'm not a band, I'm not a, a, a fan who like puts a lot of, I love good lyrics, you know, sure I love Dylan, I love the Beatles, I love all that stuff, um, but I usually just go for the song. And yeah, the fact me too. That I, I love this band so much for their songs, and now later in their career I'm going back, now that we have the internet and I can actually like look Read up the some lyrics. Read the lyrics, yeah. Um, um, 
and they also have it in their booklet in their box set. It has all their lyrics, of course. Oh, well, that's good because a lot of me, as me and Barry have discovered, the internet often gets lyrics wrong. Yes, wrong. Get- <laughs> and Steve, I'm with you. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's where I'll know the song, but I don't necessarily know what the lyrics are, or even sometimes I don't even know. With you know some bands, I know the album, and I don't even know the title of the song. I have to go and look. Oh, that's, exactly. That's what yeah. that's called. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, like, oh, this, that's about. this <laughs> album, like when I first got this album, I would, and this is true of just about every album from this time, I would buy the vinyl, and then I would immediately tape it onto a Max uh, yep. Maxell C90. Yes. Yep. And, and label it, and put it in the van <clears throat> or in my car or whatever. <laughs> so a lot of my Listening did, you is, shag, did you have Shag Carpet in that van? <laughs> oh, you know, the, the band van. Yeah, I know what you oh, mean. Okay. Yeah, metal floor, yes. <laughs> and uh, so I would listen, we'd listen to this stuff, and we didn't even know the song titles. You yep. can barely, the, the quality of the stereo in our vans were always really bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you didn't really know the lyrics, but <clears throat> that that's really how I listen to music. So, like, like there's so many bands that, I loved, like the Go Betweens, Yola Tango, Monochrome Set, like all these bands. Like I can't tell you a single song name. No, I listen to that. <laughs> right, right, right. I was like, oh, that's the one that has the guitar part that I like. You know. Yes, yes. Well, you're a bass player. We have to point out the people. <laughs> yeah, but I know player. exactly what he's talking about. <laughs> I, I, and I know the music and I know the feel of the song. And until I go back and exactly examine it, because being on this show, that's what you have to do. I'm like, oh, I, suddenly you get these insights about things. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I had no idea. Sometimes we get shocked, appalled. Oh, my God, I had no idea. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the and lo- I have to give a shout out to this uh, album cover, too. It's very simple. Yeah. Uh, just type and a, and a graphic. But um, it's cool. Yeah, uh, it's cool. It's very cool. Yeah, just very a wavy, just a little wavy pattern, blue and black. Right. Right. And now we get black to the final blue. song on here. Avanti, ten don'ts for oh, honey yes. for honeymooners, and this yeah, is so another. This is interesting. Go, go ahead, man. Go, go ahead. Well, this is a lyrically dense absurdist. This is more of the absurdist uh, uh, humor <laughs> that I'm talking about, and the lyrics are so clever in this song. It's almost it's almost cloyingly clever in in this song. I feel like, but it's, but they're great. But go ahead. What, what were you saying, Steve? Well, I was going to point out, so the original single, so this is from um, an EMI session. Um, so the original single is 10 Don'ts for Honeymooners. It's still called out here. And on the original single, he says, Don't ski naked down Mount Everest with lilies up your nose. Don't. Uh, yeah, so he gives a list of things not to do on your honeymoon. Right, but on this one, he says, I've, right? He's saying that right. he's done all this. He's done all these things. Right. So he's kind of twisting his own lyrics. And so. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that because when I look online, all the lyrics always said don't, but he's singing, I've danced the polka in a dhoti, which is great right there. A, a polka in a dhoti, like yes. polka, dot, polka dot. And so this, this song is subtitled, or it's, it's called Avanti, which translates from the Italian to uh, onwards or for, go forward or let's go. Kind right. Of thing. So maybe that's a reference to the right. fact that he's actually doing the things. But it's one, it's one of my favorite songs. It's hilarious. Uh, it is actually. hilarious. I've danced the polka in a dhoti and whistled the rite of spring. I recite Hamlet's soliloquy while munching onion rings. <laughs> I mean, come on, how great is that? Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 and 
again, getting back to like the randomness of this record, it's like how they chose these songs because they could have picked all their singles, they could have picked different album tracks. Right, right. Uh, and but this is definitely one of my favorite songs. And the B side of this song, Straits of Malika, is also a, a classic. So obviously, I'm going to say that <clears throat> everyone should listen to every monochrome set record and seek I out am. all i'm gonna definitely dig in after this like i said i didn't okay, at so first i wasn't this sure is a, this is a compilation of of it's a it's of things that you know are here and there if someone was going to like i told you if you want to listen to the stranglers hit it go to black and white that's that's my go-to stranglers record that's not necessarily everyone's favorite but for me what monochrome set album proper would you is your go-to well, you know, when I thought when you guys asked me to come on and talk about the monochrome set, I thought oh, about Oh, did it for- we did we ask you? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. okay. And he must have got so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I think we did. He's right. I was like 5 minutes away from texting you and saying, "Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Talk about the goddamn monochrome. Set. What do I have to do here? So, what monochrome set record? Well, when I so when I thought about that, I, you know, even though like Strange Boutique is a, their first album is an incredible classic, and I love Love Zombies and Eligible Bachelor, like, I mean, this was the record that truly got because when I tracked down how it kind of went for me, um, I'm pretty sure this was you know this was the first album I bought, and I listened to this. Uh, my friend Scott and I just listened to this constantly, and <clears throat> that's how I fell in love with the monochrome set. And then I went back and actually, you know, believe it or not, I was like going through boxes of old crap and I found the, the sales receipts from the record store. <laughs> you're, wow. you're a saver, aren't you? You're I, think, saver. I think a hoarder is the word. <laughs> Honest to God, it's like, I have no idea why I still had these things, but I had a whole stack of like uh, those slips, those little like right, yeah, slips. Yeah, right. sure. And like the record store clerk hand hand wrote the name of the album and how much it cost. (laughs) And so I had, um, so I must have, I think I bought this first and then I bought uh, Strange Boutique and Love Zombies. And then like a few months later, Eligible Bachelor came out and I bought, and I bought that. Uh, I have to say like for pound for pound, like Eligible Bachelors probably has with the Jet Set Junta and, um, that is probably the okay the strongest album okay as far as the studio album goes okay and yeah I mean then it then it gets to be like you know I mean Strange Boutique is incredible but they're so hard to find Strange Boutique and Love Zombies oh are they I was wondering that I was wondering probably like import you got to get them yeah. as imports and they're hard to get well or Spotify I think they're probably you can listen to yeah them but bands don't get any money from that it's better if people try and see yeah it of course it is. <laughs> Well, the best thing—the best thing to do—is to buy this uh, CD that was just released about a year and a half ago. On uh, uh, I can never pronounce their German record label, Tapete uh, Tapete Records, and they put out all the new stuff. Their last few uh, new albums, but they reissued their first three albums, records or CDs. Oh, okay, okay. And they did an incredible job. It's just beautiful graphics. Uh, like I said, the booklet has all sorts of information. All right, so that's what the, that's what people should go out and get. They should just go out. Yeah, and, get. and it's there's getting to be fewer and fewer of them. They only made 
500, I think, of each. So, uh, wow. It's, definitely worth it's like a rhino handmade kind of thing. But online, I always tell, and, uh, I always tell people to buy Maisie World or listen to Maisie World because their last record, which came out in 2018, because I think when you listen to that and go back, there's a direct line of great songwriting, uh, great band. Um, I just think they're, you know, they've progressed in a way that's. Uh, it's incredibly impressive as a musician who like you know started playing music around the same time and has like gone through many bands uh personally and then quit and you know just kind of gave up on music i just have a tremendous amount of respect for a band that can go for 40 years and still put out great music and yeah it's amazing really and it's great i mean every band should be lucky to, to find a fan like you that not only champions them and uh, but actually drives them around right <laughs> volunteers too that's just it's it's amazing it's yeah. unbelievable uh, thank you so much for being our guest, Steve. Uh, you were great. Our three-time guest. You'll get a special, I guess we've got to give him like a special robe or something, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah bathrobe. <laughs> that he could wear around the Yeah, we can order him a, <laughs> that record got me high bathrobe yeah, from Redbubble. I think that's a I good have, idea. I have the t-shirt. Yes. Yeah, wear it. Good. All right, you should we'll have, we should have bought you that shirt, but you know, just we'll like the monochrome set, we'll we're, cheap. Yeah, we're cheap. Yeah, we're cheap. We're cheap. I want to support you guys. You guys <laughs> well, I appreciate uh, it. We appreciate it very much. And don't forget, you could become like Steve. You can't be as cool as Steve, maybe, but you could yeah, beca- no. become a patron. Go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH, become a patron. And just uh, thanks for listening, everyone. And share, you know, don't forget, share, share us. Share on your public, uh, yeah, share on your, uh, like your us, social media. Us. It's all helping, really. It's great. We're uh, we're just very excited, and we're uh, we have more you know rock star guests like uh, Steve Michener and uh, Cheetah Chrome, and you know we'll we'll keep getting uh, great guests, and we'll keep talking about records. And uh, thanks, thanks again, Steve. Yeah, thank you, Steve. Well, thank you, and friend me on Facebook so you can all uh, follow along to the Monochrome. The Set Monochrome Friday, yes, Set Friday which is go. You you just you you're never great song just after like great us, song. You're, you're never stopping, right? <laughs> I'll see how long I can go. <laughs> All right. Once again, uh, we are that record got me high. No, wait, 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 wait. Oh, wait. next week. What are we doing next week, Barry? Next week, and we're recording. What are you doing next week? Early. We're recording early because I have to go to no one cares. Western Massachusetts. <laughs> they don't care about my daughter's college graduation. No, no. I meant they didn't care that we're She's recording. Graduating. Early. They grab about that. My daughter is graduating college next week, so I we're recording early. Bounced her on my knee. Barry's yeah, children. Right. Barry's children are much smarter than uh, than any of us. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this Monday we'll be recording um, Captain Beefheart's Lick My Decals Off Baby with um, my someone who I really think is also a genius, Mike Coleman of Singing Spoons, the Singing Spoons from Tallahassee. Uh, we had um, Josh from the Singing Spoons on previously to talk about Big Star and now uh, Mike is coming on to talk about Captain Beefheart, one of my favorite artists nice. of all time and one of my favorite records of Beefheart's Lick My Decals Off Baby. And so I'm very much looking forward to next week. All right, that's next week. So once again, uh, this is That Record Got Me High. That's Barry Stock. That is Rob Elba. Thanks again, Steve, and we'll see you guys next week. We're out. We're out. Thank you guys. Bye. Mama, mama, here come Dr. Dog. Hoss, clippin' clammy to those hooves, making sparks Gotta get me who I want to, God alone knows I've got to See that doctor dog
Got